and welcome to Art Waves, a podcast about arts and culture in small rural towns. My name is Marian Myers, and I'm curious to learn more about the arts and the impact they have on my small town of Port Perry in the rural township of Skugog, Ontario, in the traditional territory of the Mississaugas of Skugog Island. I've discovered a wide variety of passionate people creating, coaching, and connecting in my community. And today we're talking to Brigitte McLeod, who is a co-owner of Metaphor Gallery. Welcome, Brigitte. Thanks. Brigitte, you're also an artist. I am. I'm a painter. Um, And I I work in acrylics and paper and mixed media, and uh, that's what I love to do. Yeah, it's cool. It's it's great um, the number of people that we come across in our town that are both the arts practitioner but also sharing. They're, they're teaching or, you know, all these other things or they uh, have a business that's related in some way. It's really quite cool. Yeah, there's a parallel between you and, say, Lynn McDonald Jazz, a singer, a teacher, a you know, musician in her own right, but putting on a music series. So describe metaphor to us. What is it? So the full name is Metaphor Contemporary Craft Gallery. So we're a gallery, a retail gallery to sell the work of Ontario artists um, in a whole variety of media. So um, craft for us is fine craft. So that's glass, um, wood, pottery, ceramics, handcrafted jewelry, uh, sculpture, um, and functional pieces, beautiful pieces, and visual art as well. And we just sell the work of Ontario artists, and uh, we have somewhere in the neighborhood of 100 different artists. And we also have a studio on site where we do art classes. So people can come and take painting classes or jewelry or pottery or sculpture, a whole variety of classes. And so describe the classes. Do you get people that are um, amateur, like they're, this is a good outlet, a creative outlet for them, or is it more artists wanting to learn about different media? Who comes to the classes? We tend to get a good range of both total beginners, people who've maybe never picked up a brush ever, to artists, practicing artists who want to hone their skills or learn something new. I would say most... The majority are beginner or hobbyists or intermediate painters. Um, a lot of people who are recently retired or it's um, parents whose children are in school and they really want to do something for themselves. Uh, we get people who come on the weekends just to, to do something fun with a bunch of girlfriends or friends. Um, so it's a whole wide variety of people who come to take classes with us. Yeah. Now, so how did Metaphor get started? How did, and then how did it grow? Well, it's a great little story, actually, about how we got started. It's kind of serendipitous. So uh, at, for many years, there's been a studio tour here in the, in Port Perry or Scugog, the Lake Scugog studio tour. And um, so once a year, you know, you could go out in May and shop for local artist work. And um, but I always thought, you know, there ought to be a time, there ought to be a place where year round you could go buy local art. So my part of the story is that I'm 
my kids were young and I go to the, I take them to school and we're hanging around the schoolyard and, and a local business owner is expanding his shop. And he says to me, and his kids were the same age as my kids. Hence, that's how we knew each other in the playground. And he says, well, I'm, I'm going to expand my business. I'm going to open up a sort of a, a collective space and sublet different sections of it. And, um, and it's going to be really great. And I said, oh, really? You know, if I had enough gumption, I'd open up a shop to sell local art year round. And he said, well, funny you should say that because someone else is doing that already. Do you know Carrie Nicholson? She was a local artist and, and I knew her because her son was the same age as my son. And coincidentally, she and I grew up in the same town and went to the same high school, which was sort of odd that we should then both be living in Port Perry. So I said, well, that's just really great news. I'm so happy to hear that. I hope it goes really well. And then about a week later, the phone rang and it was this fellow, Steve, who said, hey, you know that, you know, the, I told you people are going to start that business. And I said, yeah. And he says, well, they, they might want another partner and someone with some management experience. You know, are you interested to talk to them? And I said, well, yeah, sure. So I connected with Carrie um, and then Bonnie Thompson and Jennifer Hardy were the other two. And I knew Bonnie Thompson by name and a little bit because work I'd been doing as a freelance writer, writing stories about artists, I kind of knew her. Jennifer Hardy, I didn't know her at all. So we got together, we had a meeting around my kitchen table. That was in May of 2005. We talked about what the vision could be. We decided then, yeah, let's go into business together. In July, we were open. It was, I look back on that, that now, and I just think, my God, that, boy, did we have guts. <laughs> Um, and, but it, but we all had the same vision. We'd all had this idea that you ought to be able to buy local art year round. You shouldn't have to wait for an annual studio tour to do that. So it all came together. The four of us formed a business and a partnership and it's evolved over time. And, and cause there's, there's not four of us now we're down to two. <laughs> um, and for, for good reasons, right? So, so, um, Carrie, her other interest was theater uh, she left after a few years so she could pursue her her uh, theater passions. So we wished her well on the way she went. And then there was three of us. And and then just in end of 2020, Jennifer, Jen, retired. So she um, left the business. And now it's Bonnie Thompson and myself. And you started out in this sort of a cooperative space, but kind of describe what that was like. Right. So we start, it was called Queen Street Commons. There was a, it was a great little arrangement. Um, the, the fellow Steve, his store sold uh, eco-friendly goods and some of them were uh, from a, um, like fair trade items from around the world, eco-friendly. He was kind of before buying green and eco-friendly products was a big thing. He was already doing that. Mm -hmm. We had the front corner of the shop. There was a little cafe in there as well. And there was a space in the back that hadn't been developed yet that was supposed to be sort of a community space. And we said, oh, this will be great. We'll, we'll rent it when we need it and run workshops. So we had this little space at the front of the shop with a little cafe behind us. And within about... Six months of opening, we were already running out of room. We we originally thought, oh, we're only going to sell fine craft. But then the painter came in and said, 
we would like to sell my work and we really liked it and we hung a couple pieces on the wall and then they sell right away and we thought okay now we're selling but you only had art. a wall that was like about eight feet <laughs> oh, long yeah, and eight feet high <laughs> really not hardly we probably only had room for maybe two or th two paintings maybe if that yeah so and so and more artists kept finding out about us and we reached out to more artists and we got busier and we thought okay this isn't enough space and then and then just when we're thinking, oh, my gosh, we probably need more space, a, a business, a few doors down the street, the sign goes up in the window and it says, for lease. And and Bonnie said to me one day, we should go look at that space. And I said, oh, I, I don't think we can afford that. That's a really big space. That's I don't know. She said, no, nope, no, nope, we should just go and look. I said, All right. So off we go down the street. We look at the space and it's perfect for us. Beautiful big space in the front. There was already this sort of room with a with a um in the back that was not as special like it was rough and ready back there i think the previous business sold garden ornaments or something back there and we thought oh this could be the studio this this for our classes and um and so when we asked what the rent was we thought oh maybe we could actually do this so mm -hmm. we went back and had to revitalize our business plan and the timing worked well because not only were we running out of space but we started to have a bit of a conflict between the goods in the other part of the shop, which were um, from overseas. They were fair trade handmade, but from overseas. And people were getting confused as to what was made in Ontario, what was not. And, and it was hard for you to make that clear without telling it, everybody Yeah, so firsthand. there was a couple of minor conflicts because it was in our agreement that, that this other business wouldn't sell anything that competed with our things. Um, and then also the space in the back, which was supposed to be this community space, the fellow said, oh, I've changed my mind. I'm just going to make it more retail. Well, that there went the part of our business plan. Um, so it turned out that just when we needed it, this other space became available. We signed the lease. We're still in that same space 16 years later. Mm -hmm. And it's just worked out so well. Yeah. So it, it, tell us then the impact that the metaphor uh gallery has had on the community what do you think it's done for the community well, that's a good question I, I think it's done a lot of good things actually I think for the artists in this area it's it's been a place to be able to sell goods and items year-round so it provides a steadier annual income for for artists in the area I think it also supports things like studio tour and other special events because we're we're big supporters of that. So when people come in, we always promote those types of events, and um, I think it 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 helps people understand that there's a whole community out there of people, artists making things and making an income from it as a profession. That it's not a hobby. This isn't sort of a little fun thing you do on the side. This is a serious business and a serious art form for people so I think that that's um, had an impact like we've even seen over the deck like we've been open 17 years now so um, we've seen that progression in even in people customers appreciation of the work and mm -hmm. understanding of the mm -hmm. work we've always tried to educate people so that when you go look at a handmade pottery teapot for example you might you'll you'll have gain a better understanding of the work that goes into it I think that helps all artists um, I think we've added something to the whole shopping experience of Port Perry 
especially because we have been around for a while and uh, we do attract a certain type of customer that goes and then spends, they have lunch in the local restaurant, they might go see a show at the local theater in the evening, they, they, they were a reason to come to Port Perry. Yeah, I found too, as a resident in, in the township, that what Metaphor also did was it added to the quality of life. So one of the things that's very cool about this small town is you can, uh, your dentist is right there. Your, um, the optometrist is, you know, two blocks that way and two blocks the other way is the library. And, you know, chances are one of the major banks is right there and it's yours. And, uh, and then we were able, we, we thought, wow, isn't this interesting that we can buy all our furniture here, for example. And so for us, metaphor was also, oh, that was the place we bought a wedding gift. Like if we wanted a wedding gift for somebody, we went to metaphor. If an anniversary gift, something, um, important and, uh, that, and, but not something that was on a list that was original, authentic, unique, and we wanted to express that in a gift, metaphor was the place. Well, we didn't have to leave town. So it, to me, it added to my quality of life. We heard that from a lot of people who, who said, I don't want to have to drive all the way into the city to, to buy that special wedding gift or to, to look for a piece of art to hang in my house. I just mm-hmm. I just want to stay in my local town. And, it, and that, I think, is true of people who who live and work locally. I mean, you come to a town of this size, you really start to love that, the intimate nature of doing business and meeting people and, and in a small town. But also if you're a commuter, by the time you get home, you know, do you really want to go back out onto the highway to, to go shopping for something? Because you've just got home. Yeah. I think that that's, that's a, both markets are right for us. And, and in addition to that, you know, we get a lot of visitors from out of town, which is really wonderful for us. Um, um, so Port Perry's both that really good, solid community, as you said, all those amenities are there, banking, insurance, you know, my gosh, even the funeral home is downtown Port Perry, right? So it serves its residents really, really well. I hope I don't have to, you know, visit there soon, but yeah. <laughs> so what do you, let's just change um, the, the discussion around to uh, the artists that might be listening. Um, what what do you look for in work that you want to sell? So, you know, I hear that question a lot from artists. Well, how do I sell my work? And, you know, I have my tips and things that I will tell them about, you know, often it's people that don't even know there's such a thing as a juried show or whatever. And I, I have some information to share with them, but what is it you as a gallerist look for? Well, we're, we look for professionalism and, and that can, that we want to see that in several aspects. So for the start, we, we look at the quality of the work and its execution. So if you're a potter, you know, we look at all aspects of it. Is it, is it well made? Um, is it consistently good? If you're going to make a teapot, does it pour well? Consistency is very important. We want to know that when an artist brings work, that we're going to carry. We're not a gallery that carries work 
like month by month by month. There are some that do that, right? But we're not. So if we take an artist on, we're going to sell them for years to come. So we want to know that the quality of the jewelry you make now is is consistently fine and well-made for years to come. That if as a potter, you've worked out your glazes and you've worked out your forms so that if somebody buys a bowl one year, that three years later they can come back and get uh, something maybe to go with that uh, and that the quality will be consistent. Not that you're not ever going to evolve as an artist because we want to see that too. We want to, if you're making the same thing for 10 years, you do start to wonder, is there what's happening with the creative process there but there's got to be consistency um we look at the pricing is it fairly priced um some uh, quite often we will tell artists look you got to raise your prices mm-hmm, <laughs> and mm-hmm. um because if people start off as an amateur at a you know just doing it as a hobby we have to be really careful that um you're not undercutting professionals right mm-hmm. with your pricing um we look at, is it different from something we already carry? So if you're a, you know, if you're coming in as a painter and your work reminds us too much of an artist we already carry, we're not going to take it because it's, it's just too confusing to the customer and it's not fair to those artists that we already carry. And the same would be true, say, of jewelry. If your jewelry looks a whole lot like jewelry we already sell, we don't, we want something new and interesting. Mm-hmm. So that's what we're looking for. Mm-hmm. Yeah, distinctive. I think was, is is a word that you use too when yeah. you talk about that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, how do you make that decision then? That final decision about caring. You've given us a lot of elements, but do you did it go back to the whole group? That's the original four, or then the three, then the two, or is one person responsible? How do you divide up that kind of thing in your business? It that's always a group decision. So it always was the four of us deciding, and then of course, then it was three. It was always the three of us deciding, and now. And now there's two. When when it was three for a long time, it worked great because, you know, it was an uneven number, right? If two people said, yeah, we should take it. And one person said, I'm not fond of it. it you know, it all worked out. Um, but Bonnie and I get along very well and, and, and work together really well. So sometimes they all say, oh, I really love this work. I think we should give it a try. And she might say, oh, well, it's not to my taste. I don't know. But but we, you know, it all works out in that way. Yeah. But but there yeah. is a process to follow too, and I should mention that for the artists who are listening, that um, and we we did put some pointers on our website too. That that it's really important that you approach the gallery first. You really need to find out um, what type of work they do carry, so that your work and understand if your work would fit into that collection. Mm-hmm. You need to find out what their policies are on how to how to have your work reviewed um, it's really unprofessional unprofessional to show up with a box of work and say hi I'm an artist and I'd like you to look at my jewelry or but to, to not make an appointment is considered really unprofessional the worst is to come like on a Saturday afternoon in the summer because we're so busy like to come in and think that someone is going to take time and review your work and give you feedback and chat with you is completely unrealistic and so watch out for that folks um but and i would say uh 
take really good quality images of your work because in our case and probably most galleries cases where the first thing we look at is a is an email an image that you send either through an uploaded form on the website or through an email so if your images are of poor quality already you're getting marks against you mm-hmm yeah and you're pretty direct about telling people that right so that they understand I mean I find that I, I like people to be really direct when you're getting instructions and so on. It's like, don't beat around the bush. Like, yeah, we tried to be pretty clear. Yeah. Um, yeah, it says right on the website, don't show up unannounced. This is unprofessional. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's really kind of, I I find too, you know, as you know, I'm working in a gallery where I'm, I'm always surprised at the people that walk in and they don't even look around and they march right. They figure somehow or another, they've figured out that you're in charge or you're there and they just march right up to you. And so, you know, and they start talking to you about, they haven't even looked around to see what you actually do have in in the gallery. I find that a little funny, but I think that's such an important part because, because often we, not often we do, choose work thinking about our clientele and customers and you know after you know like 16 17 years in business I like to think we have a pretty good idea of what our customers are looking for and so sometimes people submit work and it's really good but it's not for us and we're not going to do anybody any favors by taking work that doesn't present well at metaphor gallery or or the customers for that product don't walk through the door we're not helping you you're not helping us we're not helping ourselves and so sometimes we say no for that reason and we we try to be pretty you know if we can suggest another place sometimes we do suggest another place but typically when we say we're not taking the work we don't um feel compelled to give a reason we just say Mm -hmm. i'm sorry thank you we're not taking it you had told me once you you guys have found that you actually don't do well with photography, for example, as a genre. And that's kind of interesting. Explain that to us. You know, I don't know that I have an answer for that because yeah. we did for a while try, we did try photography and, and, uh, but we found that, yeah, the customers that come through our door are, are not looking for photography. They're looking for paintings there's a few things that we haven't done well with. Um, yeah, photography is one. So now, uh, sorry, I'll back up. We have had, we do take some mixed media photographic works, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but just photography, yeah, that that didn't work for us, and I don't, I don't really know why. Some, there's sort of a cyclical thing sometimes with some products. Interestingly, for a while, we sold a lot of wood pieces turned pieces things you know boxes things you know a variety of pieces where wood was the media mm-hmm. um then it just i don't know it just sort of slid off and and for a while there we were hardly selling anything um wood like wood bowls boxes cutting boards they just weren't they just weren't going and now it's it's the tide has turned again, and there seems to be renewed interest in that. So I think things somewhat sometimes are cyclical. The photography thing, I'm sorry, I never figured out why why we weren't able to sell it. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. And um, 
describe a couple, maybe just pick a couple of the artists that you have that you represent. And oh, I know that's putting you on the spot, isn't it? Because, you know, you don't want to sound like you're favoring anybody, but, um, you know, name one of the jewelers that you carry maybe or Sure. Actually, now that I now that you mentioned that, it comes to mind. There's a, a jeweler that we sell. Her name is Audrey Morgan, and she's from Ajax. When we first, I'm going to talk about her because it's been such a great thing to see her work evolve over the years. So she started. Uh, we started carrying her work when she was really interested in um, stones and uh, made beautiful earrings and necklaces with lovely semi-precious stones and interesting. Um, silver editions or copper editions, not a lot. It was mostly about the, the stones and sort of adding a little bit of detail to the jewelry. But over the years, it's been, her work has gone every year. It's like every time she brings more work, new work in, it feels more interesting and more refined and more creative. So now she's, she's working in copper and silver and she's etching it and manipulating it and creating these fabulous one-of-a-kind designs and so the stone work the semi-precious beads and stone might still be there but the but the pendants are individually like a work of art and Mm -hmm. so comparing comparing her work now to what it was say 10 years ago it's just a such a pleasure to see that evolution to see her work evolve and grow and become more creative and and people's taste in jewelry has changed too so there's a little of that too that it will drive what she's successful with and yes yeah yeah like the whole wood being popular Mm -hmm. not popular more popular jewelry is you know styles certainly change Yeah. yeah and um Perhaps tell us about one of the the glass makers. You've got some really interesting glass. We do actually, and um, and uh, it's the glass blowing is an interesting art form. I don't, I've never tried it. Bonnie is her is a glass artist, and she's she does um, fused glass and stained glass and kiln carving and that sort of thing. She's not a glass blower, although she's she's done it. I know I tried it at Sheridan College and I got to tell you, uh, like, you know, I'm I'm five foot one and, you know, I couldn't drink enough water to keep hydrated and stand next to a yeah. furnace. I've been I in just the studio with, do it. with Terry Craig, one of our glass blowers has been blowing glass and I and he actually and they do they do weekend workshops and Bonnie's done it. I have yet to do it. But um yeah, I tell it's hot. When you think it's going to be hot, it's like ten times hotter than the hottest you can imagine. So yeah, I yeah, get that. But um, I we have several glass blowers, and but I, as an art form, yeah, I wish I knew more about it. I can appreciate the beauty of it, and I've seen it done, but it's um, it's such an investment, like financially, and in oh, terms of time yes, and equipment yes. for the to artist, develop yeah. a style and a work, right? And so. So one of the one of the great things out of that is that the glass blower's work is quite unique, and you can see their style in it. For example, we have an artist named James Ward on his. He's got beautiful swirls of glass, and and um, they and and the patterning in his glass is really beautiful. And and 
the forms are very, um, they're kind of soft and sinuous in a way. Some of his platters are, and they cast a lovely shadow and the light is above them. And then you have people like Sue Rankin, who, who does these amazing floral sculptures using glass and, and these beautiful Aurora vases that, again, swirl color into them. And she's always experimenting with sort of different shapes. Well, didn't she start making jewelry recently, which has been really fun to see. With glass. Um, with glass, like blown glass beads and other pieces of glass that she assembles into a necklace. They're, they're really uh, simple yet quite elegant. And um, I own one. I, I probably, if I could, I'd probably have like 10 of her necklaces. <laughs> um, uh, and, uh, and then there's Paulus Chang, who, who makes these, who's got such a fun sense of color. And he, his functional glasses and drinkingware are really elegant and beautiful and fun and funky all at the same time. And then he does these amazing sculptures of crabs and lobsters and all out of glass. So, so that's a, yeah. Really and why would you, why would you drink it out of anything that wasn't just so gorgeous? Right. Exactly. Why it's like drinking. Yeah. Every people will say even a cup of coffee tastes better out of a, out of an artist made, made mug. And the same thing with glassware, right? You yeah. have a beautiful. Yes. Yeah. I agree so much. So Brigida, how are people going to find out, um, more about metaphor? What should they do? Go to your website for sure. Yeah, we, our website is a, is a good place to get information. We do put all of our courses in the studio on the website, so you can register online. You can go see the course description. You can see a picture so you know what you're So give us the doing. URL nice oh, and it's, clear. It's so that... metaphorgallery.ca. So it's okay. M-E-T-A, the number four, gallery.ca. Okay. Yeah. And then you do a newsletter so people can sign up for the newsletter and then they'll know because you often do an artist feature of the month, that kind of thing. And, and yep. so the, and then that's how they'd find out about classes that were new coming out as well as being on the website. Right. Right. We do. Yeah. yeah the new, the e-newsletter comes out three times a month cause we don't want to bombard people in their inbox, but, um, we, uh, and that's where we feature artists. We, we sort of give an update on what's happening in, in the gallery and around town. Um, we do have an online gallery too, so you can shop online, but, but it really is impossible to put every piece on that online shop. It's just every week new work comes in. We, we try to photograph it and put some things up, but we really, it's just when everything is, you know, a unique piece and handmade, uh, you know, you'd be, it, it's just impossible for us to put every single item on the web website. Yeah. So what, my, what I say to people is go online. If you see some work that you love, but it maybe it isn't quite, and you, and you want to shop online, phone us and say, hey, you know, I saw this mug. Do you, does that artist make bowls in that same glaze? Chances are the answer is yes, and we can send you pictures. Yeah. Yeah, cool. Okay. Well, thanks, Birgitta McLeod from Metaphor Gallery. So that's Meta, M-E-T-A, for the number, gallery dot C-A. C-A. Because we're in Canada. Let's just do yeah, well, Let's appreciate it. So uh, thanks to Birgitta and to our audience, Chi Megwich, for spending time with us today. Thanks to The Wanted for their song Before the Fall. 
and the Ontario Trillium Foundation for the grant that got this done. Visit scugogarts.ca to get the scoop on what we're up to and join us every week for another episode of Art Waves.